cliffcentral.com. Hello and very, very welcome to Beyond Ears and Eyes on Cliff Central. With me, Shemaine Harris in studio on controls, Palisa Mabuye and... Then, of course, as always, Liesl Tom. Hi there from me. I hope you have a terrific day. We have a very interesting guest for you today. We're speaking to Linda Tucker from the Global White Lion Foundation about the magic of the white lions and then also the lessons we can learn from them and what we are doing to those magical creatures. Hi there, Linda. Very good to be linked up today. Thank you for this interview. I'm, I'm contacting you from the middle of the bushveld, or at least our nearest town, which is uh, Hoodsprate. Awesome. Was it difficult to get connection? As <laughs> usual. But um, it's the Bush Telegraph. So if it occasionally goes crackly, you might, uh, you might hear some Bushveld uh, background sounds. Awesome. Hi. Good to meet you over the lines. And likewise, great to be here. Thank you. So, Linda, let's jump into it. What makes white lions so special? Well, this is a long uh, story, and I've, you know, I've dedicated uh, three decades of my life to exploring it. That's Uh, as old as I am. (laughs) (laughs) I'm impressed. So, so um, you know, so regard me as the authority and listen. <laughs> um, well, <clears throat> the the rarity of white lions is noteworthy, but that's just the beginning. These these amazing animals have returned to our ecosystem after a vast epoch. Um, it might be as long as uh, an estimated ten thousand years or more. They are actually um, ice age animals who have returned in our times. And there is a huge prophecy associated with them. And that has been the, you know, that has been my constant area of study um, over, over these decades. Linda, sorry to interrupt. When you say they have returned, um, would that be because of human intervention or how did they return? No, uh, they have returned by natural occurrence um, in our times. And it would seem, I mean, this is our our project, and we can maybe talk more about our project, uh, the Global White Lion Protection Trust and the Linda Tucker Foundation, which is my foundation, which supports uh, conservation work and leadership. Uh, my, my project has um, established that the first or the earliest occurrence of these white lions in recent times was um, in 1938. That's our first eyewitness account. Before that, there were some stories, but this, this is a documented um, European account of the white lions. Um, and and um, we... we we talk about a return of the white lions because they have reoccurred in this one specific location on the globe, which is, which is the Timbavati region. And the name itself, Timbavati, uh, refers to lion, Simba, Vati, to come from the heavens, the place where the heavenly lions came down. So that gives you 
um, a clue as to their cultural importance, which is related to being star lions or heavenly lions. I'm fascinated because I always thought it was a recessive gene or something like that. Well, on the scientific side, there was a lot, there has been a lot of uh, misinformation and misunderstanding based on no scientific uh data at all. And my project is partly uh, committed, well, let's put it this way, it's equally committed to indigenous knowledge systems and leading edge science. So my partner is a a specialist lion ecologist, and he established uh, a couple of years ago, after seven years of research, collaborative research with uh, six different countries. uh, China, US, uh, England, Canada, Namibia, and South Africa. He, does, he established that the white lions are uh, the result of a genetic rarity called a genetic marker, which is unique. And so they are not albino, as people used to think. And it is, it is a, it can be considered a recessive gene, but only in so much as it is, it has, um, occurred in our times um, and what is dormant in some of the golden lions of this specific region. So if for argument's sake these lions occurred um, on the in the snow in a snowy landscape, their their coats would no longer be seen as re- uh, recessive, mm. such as the polar bear. Okay. They, that is not a recessive gene any longer. So this is big sort of scientific uh, and genetic discussion, but what we're saying here is that these are a genetic rarity, and any discussion about them being inferior or genetically impaired is human perception, and it's normally misinformation put out by people holding them in captive conditions mm. to excuse their actions. Mm. Linda, I'm interested in this prophecy you mentioned. Tell us a bit more. The prophecy of the white lions is linked to all the so-called spirit animals who are occurring in our times. Um, my background training has been with actually 13 different medicine people of different tribal uh, groupings in, in southern Africa, but also medicine people from different tribes around the world. My my scientific background, or at least my academic background, is from Cambridge University in the UK. But my my um, studies in shamanic knowledge has been these different tribal uh, groups who have knowledge about the white lions. Um, and I'm saying it's not only African knowledge; it's global. Do and you want they, to mention them? Uh, sorry, I missed that. Do you want to mention them? Can you mention them? Uh, we can. We can. I can. I can mention some of them. Um, Credo Mutua was one of the uh, one of the uh, medicine people who imparted knowledge with me uh, two decades ago. The most important teacher was uh, an amazing medicine woman called uh, Maria Kosa of the Tsonga people. Uh, that's a really big story that I'd like to share with our, our listeners. Um, it's a really, it's a fireside story 
I won't get diverted now, but this this was without doubt the most courageous, lion-hearted woman I've ever met in my life. And she saved my life. Oh, um, oh, that fabulous story. Oh, you must give a snippet <laughs> of it. You can't leave everything just like that. You know, because now you've got everyone thinking, what is this about? Give us like, you know, just, just half a minute. Okay. I'm going to give you a little, a little sound bite so okay. that we can pick this up in a long discussion when we meet again. But right. essentially the year was 1991. 10th of November, I will never forget the date. Um, I was trapped in the middle of the bushveld by a pride of angry lions, 24 lions in that pride, mm. five dominant males, and one was extremely aggressive because his tail had been ripped off in a territorial fight, and he was dying of gangrene of mm. the bottom of the anus. Ouch. So you can imagine how aggressive this lion was. Anyway, um, we were, the group and I, I was with a group, we were in terrible trouble. One of us was probably going to be devoured by these angry lions because we'd found ourselves in the middle of them. And we were rescued by this incredible medicine woman who walked on foot with a baby strapped to her back, uh, humming as she walked, and she came to rescue us. She walked straight through the lions. But I'm not going to go more into that story because I would love to follow up with that sometime. But that gives you an idea of the various uh, medicine people I've worked with, these mm. extraordinary lion shamans who carry, you know, great knowledge. Powerful, that's Africa. powerful. Oh. So, you know, so she she followed a great tradition and she was one of my teachers um, who shared knowledge about this prophecy of the white lions. And what was the prophecy? Essentially, the prophecy has to do with a return, the return of these incredible messengers from nature. They're seen as luminaries. Um, uh, They're seen as pure light. And essentially, they're understood to be nature's um, greatest blessing and nature's final warning. And people often say to me, but how can there be a blessing and a warning? Well, they are the greatest blessing because they are the most beautiful, regal, uh, exquisite um, expressions of divinity in nature. They, They represent sacredness in nature. You do not get a more beautiful animal than the white lion walking free as nature intended it, as the creator intended it. Um, but and that's the blessing. I mean, we've we've been gifted in South Africa with this supreme blessing. But the warning is that at the time that the white lions return, humankind has to restore the true relationship with nature, which is one of love and respect. If we don't do that, systems will start collapsing, and that's not only ecosystems; human systems will start collapsing, and that's the prophecy. And it. It links with an understanding of the occurrence of the spirit animals around the world. That includes the white buffalo prophecies or um, the white bison prophecies of the 12 tribes, the Sioux nations. Um, I was I was privileged enough to meet with Chief Arvel Looking Horse of the uh, Sioux people or the Dakota, the Lakota people. And we shared this, you know, we shared this prophecy. And he said it's in, exactly in alignment with the teachings of his people. He's 19th generation keeper of the white buffalo prophecies. And he said 
you know, when the white buffalo starts appearing, it is it is the final warning from nature that we have to restore love and respect or or we as a species will not survive the future. Linda, the 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 white lions um do do they mean that we are going to enter into an ice age again? It's a very interesting question. Um I I don't know if that is the case, but what they certainly show genetically because uh, a genetic marker to do with color can be traced right back to the beginning of speciation, uh, which basically is saying that these these animals could have walked the ice originally. That could be the, the reason for their coloring. So they are uh, they are kind of remnants of a previous ice age, but they could be precursors to a future ice age if we go through you know, the kind of climate changes that are threatening us uh, and polar reversal, all the kind of uh, uh, all the kind of realities that seem like prophecy, but they're very real if we don't get balanced back on our planet. All these teachers mentioned other spir- spirit animals too, apart from the, the, the white bison or buffalo that you've mentioned and obviously the, the white lions that we are talking about. What are these other spirit animals and do they also have, are they also white? Well, it's interesting. They actually, um, it's like a yin and yang. Um, most of them are white in indicating spirit, but they also can be black indicating, you know, that the, there is, we're going back to the original template of creation. Um, so there is a prophecy about the black polar bear walking the ice in our times. And when that happens, you know, humanity's time is running out for this contract to be restored with nature. And there have been apparently some sightings of the black polar bear walking on the ice caps, which are melting, as we know. Um, the other the other amazing spirit animal is the, the so-called spirit bear of British Columbia, which um, is classified now as an endangered um, uh, subspecies, and it's classified as Ursus americanus commodii. Um, essentially, it, it is so similar to the occurrence of the white lion because the people of that region, um, you know, uh, revere it as a sacred animal. And that is the case with the you know, the in indigenous medicine people who I have been privileged enough to work with, they recognize that the white lions are a sacred animal and need protection at all costs. Now, you know, tragically, the exact reverse has happened. I don't know if we're going to come to talk about the situation today, but it's an absolute calamity and South Africa needs to wake up fast to our responsibility here. What's what's their temperament like? Are they different to the other lion? I would genuinely say that they are. I believe that they are gentler. Um, they have a you know they have an aura around them. Uh, I love golden lions. I love all of nature. Our project, of course, has golden lions and white lions, just as it is in their natural habitat. So, you know, on the sign, our project. Um, is involved with the spiritual or cultural side of the white lions, but equally on the conservation and scientific side. And we have been returning, we have three prides of white lions who are returning 
to the heart of their ancestral habitat uh, in the Kruger to Canyons biosphere. Um, so we work with golden lions and white lions. Those are golden lions from the very region where the white lions occurred naturally. And I think there is a difference in temperament. The golden lions are actually fiercer um, and the white lions are gentler. But essentially, um, you know, they are expressions of of the divine in nature. All of nature, in my view, doesn't matter what religion you come from or culture you come from, you, you, you need to recognize that nature is a divine inheritance and our role is to be responsible stewards of this incredible, incredibly sacred heritage that is on the verge of of extinction yeah, I'm if glad. we don't change our relationship. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because you mentioned that it's incredibly important to um, to look after the white lion species. Um, and I thought, well, isn't it just that we should do it with all living inhabitants, whether it's, you know, um, dog, cat, whatever, you know, a- animals in general. Isn't that part of our um, mandate as humans to to look after those who are more vulnerable or that which is less vul- which is a lot more vulnerable than we are yeah I, I agree with you completely and it's 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 a mandate I like that word it's it's essentially a contract that we made with the creator in my view uh, you know in in governing this planet and uh, all natural life is sacred um, but the lion represents leadership. Then, you know, therefore, we need to, if we're looking at ourselves as governors of, the, of this planet and we're looking at the question of leadership, lions are the best way of taking us into the issue because they represent responsible management of an ecosystem. It's, they are the most important component of an ecosystem. We know that every single component is critical, like a pyramid of life and the, and all the parts up to the apex, which is the apex predator. But what has been established recently through uh, ecological um, studies, like the one that that is well known in Yellowstone Park, is that if a, if an ecosystem is on the point of collapse, and you restore the apex predator into that ecosystem that predator actually restores balance all the way down the trophic levels. Trophic is essentially, you know, the different chains of the food chain, basically. It's a, you know, it's a scientific term for the, the way that energy and life flows in an ecosystem where every single species serves the, the interest of the whole. And that's what true leadership does. It serves the good of the whole. Now, we can pause for a moment and see, you know, where is good leadership in the current governing structures of this country and world leadership? And there's a lot, you know, that is failing. But if, if we tra- take our, our true inspiration from nature and the lions, we will find our route to true leadership. And that's, you know, that's the model that we've created through the 13 Laws of Lionhearted Leadership, my book that is um, – that is, is being published as we speak. And it's my third published book uh, relating to the white lions. Well, Linda, your first book, uh, you describe a 
the in-depth studies you did on also the symbolic meaning of the white lion. What do they represent on a symbolic level? Well, of course, they represent kingship, like we like we're saying. But kingship is is about how we govern our resources, how we responsibly um, live on this planet, and so. Um, all lions represent governance, but the white lions represent spiritual leadership, the king of the kings. So you see that, I mean, there's a really, there's almost a Christ-like aspect there. And I, you know, and um, it's their role that they're playing right now resonates in that way. I mean, you know, these lions should not have been removed from the wild. They should not be in cages where they're basically being uh, tortured, um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a. I would go so far as to say there's a kind of crucifixion going on uh, with with sacred animals that are not meant to be treated in this way, and um, it's it's incredibly serious what humans are allowing to take place mm-hmm. um, of these of these great kings, because that's what they are. Yeah, I know you just you're speaking about lions at the moment, but I'm I'm looking at this wider. Um, I know also wolves have the same kind of thing, you know, um, and they also have been used to restore um, nature's uh, settings. Um, so. I'm just thinking in in general because I mean I, I don't want to sit here and think oh lions 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 or kingships um, because it 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 sounds and I, and I'm not saying this is what you're doing but it sounds like the others are, are kind of like sidelined um, so I want to know from you in in general um, what spiritual deficits do we incur when we do what you say when we torture them whether they be lions or or animals who are supposed to restore structure well I, you know the question of I, I think you introduced this um, interview on Facebook as you know are we selling our souls and mm. I, I would go a little further I'd say you know it's a question of losing st- heart and soul because the sort of thing that we are doing to animals in general and particularly in this case to you know the king of animals um you can only do if you've lost your heart you cannot treat animals in the way that we are uh, legalizing in this country if you really have a heart and you really feel Mm. and of course heart and soul are connected so you know i i I'm, I'm looking at the fact that we as South Africans have experienced as a nation an unjust system that, that was directed against humans. But we need to question what we are institutionalizing now against the other inhabitants of our planet who are, who are in fact, in my view, equally important. This concept of dominion over our planet is a man-made concept that has been, you know, instituted um, through greed and through um, arrogance. In fact, when you live with nature, as I do, in in this incredible ecosystem in the Kruger to Canyons biosphere, you realize that all of nature is this exquisite system of interrelatedness, and there's no such thing as superiority to creation. It is a miracle. We need to kind of, we need to go down on our, 
our hands and needs and give thanks for the miracle of creation instead of acting as arrogant and superior. And yes, you know, selling our souls because um, it is not required of us to treat animals and nature with this kind of contempt that we are doing right now. You say that when a human kills a lion, this apex predator, they lose their soul. What, what do you mean by this? Well, that is part of the, the prophecy, you know, that was shown to me. So it's, it's not only me talking. Um, you know, uh, the, the white lion, the lion, all of life carries light. It is an expression of, you know, the original spark of life on this planet. If you take it, um, if you take life without giving back, um, it is, it is, um, the, it's the breaking of an ancient contract because all of nature gives all the way up the ecosystem. That's what, how, how the system works. It gives back. And what's happened with us humans is that we've stopped giving. We think that it's okay just to take, take, take. And so if you take the life of, um, of a great animal such as a white lion without giving back, you are you are um, losing light and life, literally. And there are consequences for that at a, at a karmic level. So what must we give back or how can we give back? Well, we give back through this heartedness, what I call lion-heartedness, uh, in which we commit to serving uh, creation rather than raping, exploiting, destroying it. Uh, that's all. That's as simple as that. And you serve by giving back lovingly. You, you feel love and respect for creation. And you give back. There are many opportunities to give back. Um, every day, opportunities present themselves, such as, you know, you will see the opportunity, whether it is uh, rescuing a cat that is on the corner starving, or whether it is, you know, nurturing the tree outside your window that has been providing shade. Um you know, or, or, or simply thanksgiving. Uh, nature recognizes gratitude as an action. Um, I like that. In just, you know, it just in, in, in feeling gratitude, it's, it's an energetic gifting. And so, that's the least we can do. From the far left, is that why plants respond when you give them attention? Because you're going like, I love you, my baba. I want you to grow. Here's a little water, some Epsom salts. And then they go like, woo, lily, 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 lily. We're so grateful. We give you fruit. Completely. And, and you know, if you, want to, if you want to get scientific about this as well, I've worked with a group of Japanese scientists who've studied water and they have proved, um, Masaru Emoto was the, is the most famous of them, uh, they've proved that if you show water love and respect, it restructures itself into sacred geometry. And of course, water is the basis of all life. So this is part of the great mystery that links creation, you know, to, to us and how we truly steward this planet. Linda, this karmic debt you spoke about that, that People who kill um, animals without giving back uh, incur. What does that mean for people like perhaps 
myself, my next door neighbor, who do not go out and kill animals, but but who stand by. And I mean, we, how much power does an individual really have to stop like like the, 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 the lion bone trade? What can I as an individual do? Lee, before you answer, Linda, I just wanted to ask from Liesl, is are we talking about meat that you eat or just meat that you're vicious about and just go kill for no, whatever No, I'm not talking about reasons. meat. I'm okay. talking about our inaction to intervene and tell people who go who 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 deal with nature irresponsibly mm-hmm. to to put an end to that okay okay well i think the first question uh, i'm sure our listeners are are you know wanting to understand and there might be some amongst them who don't know what's happening in this country the first question to answer is the lion bones trade i have been campaigning for the protection of lions as i say for for over three decades now I've spoken in Parliament twice. I've spoken in international parliaments. I've spoken on countless, you know, TV interviews and, and news broadcasts. Um, and we're at the very worst stage of the whole campaign for lions. And that is that South Africa is now preparing to legalize this whole industry that turns lions from baby cubs into dead carcasses. Um, on the one side, it, you know, it, it is allowing uh, cubs to be bred in captivity so people can go and pay to cuddle them. And then those same cubs who you know, generate funds in these places to be cuddled because they're just so adorable. There's nothing more adorable on earth than a lion cub. That same lion is then put into a cage exploited, starved, and turned into a trophy, in other words, shot for money, or simply starved to death as a carcass that will then go to China in this despicable um, lion bones trade that is the same market as is killing our rhino. So just get the picture, everyone, of what is being legalized at the present time. So now to answer... Yeah. Mm. What are the bones I mean, used for? What is the lion bones trade? It's the lion bones are used for bogus medicinal um, uh, uh, substances, which originally the tigers were used for in China, but the tigers are on the brink of extinction. Mm. So they've turned to our lions and doing the same thing with them. Okay. Now there's no, there's no real medicinal value at all. And the whole question is, is this acceptable use of, uh, you know, of animals that are regarded as sacred in original African tradition? Hmm. Okay, you can go on to the other one. Sorry, and interrupt it as I usually do. <laughs> you can continue with, with the other que- questions answer. So the question, I mean, if we, so just so that everyone knows what is happening, and I, I just to underline it, this is, in in all honesty, the worst. Uh, legislation that humankind has ever instituted um, around animals. And, you know, there have been incidents of terrible uh, brutality to animals throughout history. You know, humans aren't necessarily kind to animals. But this is a formalized, legalized legislation that allows uh, these malpractices as if it's okay and it's not okay. And I I like to make a comparison with China itself, where you may have heard of this, you know, just 
despicable practice of the of the dog eating festival that has just started up in recent times where dogs are stolen off the streets and they're literally thrown alive into uh, you know burning pots of, of boiling water to be eaten and I, I, we, we, we shouldn't get diverted now except to say this is despicable I think anyone with a heart recognizes that's unacceptable but the point is it's not actually legislation it's a practice that is not authorized by China mm. and here South Africa, we actually legalizing something as if it's okay to do so. So I'm saying to South Africans, wake up. Anyone with a heart should be joining a campaign to stop this. So Linda, let's get back to what can I as an individual do? Do Okay. It's a key question. And the question is this, each of us can make a difference. If you, if you pause for a moment and you think, oh, what can I do? You're going... I'm again, sorry to say, but into an indulgent condition that is that actually is self-serving. You know, you think, what can I do? In the real model of creation, every component counts equally. And if we go back to our discussion about water, part of what the uh, scientists proved in their water experiments was this amazing thing that if you that that a single drop of water that has consciously been restructured through sacred geometry, it can affect an entire lake of water. So what we're saying is that a single individual who acts with heart and soul consciousness can affect a vast field of change around them. It's indulgent to say you can't make a difference. That, that is, you know, is... is um, Again, we're saying it, it suits you to say that because uh, it's easier to, to do nothing than actually to do something. But the, but the proof is that when you do something, uh, your consciousness is so much higher that it influences a vast field of change. So um, specifically, we're looking at an event that's taking place uh, on the 30th of this month where Children around the world have stepped up and are doing something about this. It's a, it's a competition that we put out called One United Roar. It went out to 9 million people worldwide. There were, there were uh, five continents. Well, all the continents responded. Uh, we have winners from five continents. They're flying out to South Africa before the end of the month. These are kids who are prepared to speak for nature specifically for lions. Mm. And, um, you know, they, they prepared to stand up and say, we, we will be counted, we will speak for lions. If our governing bodies are not going to be responsible, we will be. And they, you know, this whole event is taking place in Johannesburg. So it's um, everyone who's listening in, we invite you to join us for an incredible evening of uh, entertainment cultural celebration around lions and nature in general, but with a really hard-hitting message that reminds us that we have to do something about these killing camps that are taking place all over South Africa, wherever cubs are being petted and handled and you go and pay to cuddle a cub, that the end of that factory farm is the death of that lion mm. and you are participating in something that is not acceptable. Mm. Linda, final question. If you 
the sense I'm getting is that you view the white lions as messengers from God. Do you think humanity will heed that message? Well, it's um, you know, it's a much bigger conversation. People are, people are waking up. People are feeling their hearts and their souls again, and they're recognizing that they have an urgent responsibility to steward nature uh, in a way that is loving and respectful. So, I actually do have a lot of hope for humanity, but it's urgent. And so, this event that we we speak about, um, uh, anyone who'd like to join us at the event, it's uh, at Crawford at Crawford College on the 30th of um, this month, 30th of March, and um, free entry into an incredibly uh, exciting staged event with um, youth leaders um, speaking on behalf of uh, nature in general and our lions in particular, our white lions most particularly. Thank you, Linda. And we will post those details on the Beyond Ears and Eyes Facebook page. We're out of time from me, Liesl Tom. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Palisa. And from me, Shemaine Harris, it was really good to have you with us again. Thank you. Cliffcentral.com.